0: Welcome to Exchanges, a collection of conversation exchanges presented by the LGBTQ+ Youth Exchange for Change, exploring the truths, resiliency, and leadership of LGBTQ+ youth nationwide. I am Sheer Avery, a Black and Indigenous non-binary trans femme, creative visionary, published researcher, social justice advocate, and director of the LGBTQ Youth Exchange for Change, a national partnership between Lambda Legal and Baker McKenzie, sponsored by Warner Media. And
1: I'm Elliot Hinkle, a transmasculine non-binary person and a former foster youth who grew up in the Wyoming foster care system and now advocates for youth in the child welfare system, young adult mental health needs and wellness, and the LGBTQ community. I'm based in Portland, Oregon as a youth and young adult coordinator for Oregon Healthy Transitions at Portland State University. Join shear and I in thought-provoking exchanges between young leaders, social justice advocates, pioneering researchers, business innovators, corporate allies, and media storytellers.
0: Tune in, follow along, and join us in our change making journey. To learn more, visit exchangeforchange.org and follow us on Twitter using the handle at LGBTQ Youth Exchange with an X and Instagram at Queer Youth Exchange with an X. Joining us as our first guests for an encore presentation of our first exchange experience back in July are Maria Alana Torre and Dominique Morgan.
1: Yes, we're overjoyed to welcome Maria and Dominique once again to keep the conversation going about LGBTQ plus Black and Brown youth at the intersections of policing and the justice system. Maria Elena Torre is the founding director of the Public Science Project and faculty member in critical psychology and urban education at the Graduate Center of the City University of New York. Dominique Morgan is an award-winning artist, activist, speaker, and the national director of Black and Pink.
0: We know all too well that Black and Brown LGBTQ plus youth disproportionately endure violence and over-policing similar to adults, and simultaneously experience additional police exposure due to unique pipelines into the justice system. In July, we chatted with Maria about groundbreaking data, heard from organizations led by youth of color are pushing back against criminalization in schools and in their communities, and learned from advocates like Dominique, working tirelessly to end over-incarceration and mistreatment in the justice system.
1: This is such an important conversation, especially as communities across the country continue to grapple with the reckoning of racial injustice. But before we get into the nuance and complexities of policing and the injustice system, Sheer. Can you tell our listeners of what the Exchange for Change is all about?
2: Of
0: course, Lambda Legal and Baker McKenzie partnered together to bridge the divide between young leaders, business innovators, and corporate allies. Now, with the support of Warner Media, the LGBTQ plus Youth Exchange for Change is on a change making journey to shift the culture of corporate philanthropic giving to one that equitably supports the vision and solution-based approaches of grassroots movements to create lasting and impactful change for LGBTQ youth nationwide. Join us for our second virtual exchange for change experience on December 10th.
1: You'll hear from LGBTQ plus youth who are system experts lead a discussion on how to disrupt the system and support youth. Join us to learn more, hear about examples of positive change, and help create even more solutions. You can register now on our website at exchangeforchange.org.
0: Elliot, just one more question to help our audience get to know us. Why the X in exchange?
1: We spell exchange with an X because it's known as a universal symbol of gender and identity inclusion like on my driver's license in Oregon. So a couple of days ago, we got to meet Maria and Dominique, as you'll hear from them here in just a minute. Um, But as we start this journey of creating a podcast, you'll be joining us along that journey and figuring out the nuances, the skills, how to clean up audio, um, how to have some great bloopers, and how to move forward to get this information into your ears and into your uh, hands. So We appreciate you joining us for that process as it's been a labor of love to create this.
0: Definitely a labor of love. Oh, that's great. (laughs) Thanks so much, Elliot. You are the wizard of all things tech. Could not do this without you.
1: Yeah, I mean I'm glad to be working with you on this. This is this is extending the conversation. It's uh it's good. I love it. It's fun.
0: (laughs) Yeah, me too. I never Thought at the beginning of this journey, well, the Exchange for Change's journey at large back in August of 2019, that we'd be here, one virtual experience down, one upcoming, our second virtual exchange experience to come in December, and a podcast. Like, how exciting!
1: Yeah, and it all started thinking we could be in person and then COVID, of course, happened. Miss Rona. Miss Rona (laughs)
0: just came up on the
1: scene and now, but we're making it work and I think it's going to be good.
0: (laughs) Me too. Thanks so much. Yes. Now that you know us a little better, let's get into it. Hey, Maria and Dominique. Hey,
2: Hey. nice nice to be here.
0: So glad you both can join us. We are checking in just off the heels of the presidential election. How are you feeling?
3: Um, I feel, honestly, um, so many folks, this is Dominique. So many folks are talking about hope. I think my hope has, has been consistent in the people. Um, So this, um, this shift in, in who is in the White House hasn't um, activated my hope. Black folks, Black queer folks, Black trans folks, um, these organizers that helped this happen um, are, are what have given me hope through the last four years. And, and so I'm thankful that that's going to be a consistent truth. Um, I think that there is there is a ease in in knowing that you probably won't wake up and think like what new foolishness is happening today that possibly could try to erase my um, my identity or the identity of someone that I love and care about in our um, nation's culture or or how how they're centered in their needs being met in our nation um, and 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 thinking that there possibly may be a time when um, we could have a post COVID society um, with someone. Um, who even if he isn't the smartest person, does have the sense to um, listen to other smart folks. Um, so that's where my spirit has been and super proud of again the the, the black folks, these young black folks who have been on the ground, um, young folks of color um, who have given themselves um, to 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 see this shit happen, um, really shouting them out, really celebrating them, being in awe of them and and and, and taking notes so it's a it's a mixture of all those things.
2: Yeah, I would echo that. I mean, there's just such tremendous energy. Um, you know, I'm am living in New York City and in, in Brooklyn, and I have to say the weekend was just uh, filled with gorgeous, gorgeous energy, um, and and really reflective. I think of all of the work, as Dominique was saying, that that uh, young people, young people of color in particular, um, put into to getting that horror out of the White House. And, um, and I think what, was, what made me feel really good about just seeing the outburst and the outpouring was that there was uh, sort of dancing and declarations of digging into the work to come because Lord knows there is much, much, much work to be done. But it finally feels like, you know, we won't get sidetracked by, as Dominique said, you know, a new, a new onslaught of craziness every single day. So that's a, a huge mm. relief just to be able to, to dig back in and and get the work done.
0: Indeed. Indeed. A lot to look forward to. Mm. Absolutely.
1: What are your thoughts on how we, the people, and intersectional grassroots movements can hold the incoming Biden-Harris administration accountable to a decarceral framework and a commitment to making equitable investments in systemically marginalized and oppressed
3: communities? well i think I think a huge portion of that um, as a person who doesn 't consider myself like a policy head, and I say that in the most um, loving way, I think there's a certain skill to really one enjoy like policy and building out law and 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 writing bills and and coming from that space of government um, there are just incredible people that I'm I'm, I'm I'm blessed to work with that that dig into that nuance for me um, I I think it's about us just really being informed. I think it's so difficult to hold people accountable when your information is surfaced. So as a person that doesn't consider myself a policy head, I realize that I can't do the job of dismantling. Um, I'm a kid that used to take things apart when I was a kid. Um, When I was younger, you know, and and I think back that when I was trying to, like, take apart my radio, how I would just reach a point where I would just smash it (laughs) if I couldn't do it right. And then you think, well, if I had the blueprint, if I had how to videos, if I had a person who knew how to put together radios next to me, giving me tips, um, what would that experience had been like? So, so really being informed, really making sure that I'm going past surface, really doing the work to think outside of self, um, continuing to advocate and be involved, even when uh, my identities are not in the crosshairs of, of that, of that day's uh, oppression du jour. And, um, and um, recognizing that A benefit of this last four years is that you recognize the power of local elections, the power of local lawmakers and and people doing that work. So um, keep your neck on your state and city hold these people accountable and don't let them hide behind um, who's in the White House. Um, because the White House for most of us is so far away. Um, it's, it's, it's an echo. Um, and so that's gonna be our approach at Black and Pink. Um, that's gonna be my approach as an individual. And that's really what I would say to anyone else.
2: Yeah, I think, um, you know, over the summer with the incredible uprisings, you know, we need to harness all that energy um, and and hold, folks in our cities and towns um, you know accountable to the promises they've made so this the you know in in terms of decarceration in terms of abolition in terms of you know really shifting up the structures so that you know in, in the in the case of schools so that police no longer have a role in schools um, there were a lot of promises made um, you know um, and we need to make sure that those promises are are maintained and that the change is transformative and and not as dominique says just sort of like lip service to the surface
0: Hmm. hashtag lip service to the circus (laughs) here for it thank you both so very much Hey Maria, let's chat a little bit about the school to prison pipeline, which you mentioned um, in response to our check in question. I'd argue that the school to prison pipeline also includes and intersects pipelines of poverty and homelessness. And we know that police weren't always here in existence policing is a relatively recent shift that's grown exponentially. What does this mean for LGBTQ and um, GNC young people?
2: Well, Shira, first, thanks. It's really great to be participating in this conversation. And I really want to acknowledge that a lot of what I'm going to be talking about with you, um, it comes from work that I'm just very lucky to have collaborated with many, many young people across New York City, community-based organizations, um, activists, organizers at Fierce at Make the Road New York, Streetwise and Safe, folks over at Sylvia Rivera Law Project and the center. So the words that come out of my mouth are representing the work of many. As you know, I run the Public Science Project at the City University of New York, and we partner who are seeking Or rather, wanting to use uh, research and social science in their struggles for justice. The the comments that I'm making are coming from that place, and with deep appreciation and respect to all of the sort of on the ground organizing that has really moved this conversation. And and it's really important, as you recognize that um, you know policing in schools was not something that ever really existed until relatively recently. It was in the 1950s that you started to see police officers with sort of routinely in schools. And even then, there were very, very few. There were fewer than 100 of them nationally, right? So the the increase really, all of a sudden, when, when we started to see them in huge numbers, was in the 80s and the 90s. Um, when sort of the, the federal government and states started to take on these tough-on-crime policies. And this intensified, of course, after some of the school shootings, right? Um, sort of sadly, after Columbine, after Sandy Hook, sort of the um, the imagination of how to keep uh, young people and educators and folks in schools safe, sadly, uh, mirrored much of our response nationally. And it was through the presence of uh, police and policing. And so now there are about 50,000 or more police officers in schools. Sometimes they're called school safety agents or SROs, even though consistently research communities have showed, have demonstrated that having police in schools has, has profound negative impacts of, for students of color. We've looked in New York City and and um, really, being able to show that that there are tremendous negative impacts, particularly for LGBTQ youth, students with disabilities, and and for students of color who are just much more harshly punished for sort of ordinary, regular, uh, everyday behavior than than other students.
0: Hmm. I think that weaves perfectly into my next question, but I just want to acknowledge that I deeply appreciate the. Um, brief history overview and lesson so to say that you offered us about policing back to the 50s and through the 80s and 90s. Thank you and thank you for acknowledging that policing has profound negative impacts on LGBTQ young people. We know without a doubt the data speaks for itself that all youth and youth of color disproportionately caught up in punishment, who are LGBTQ, report more aggressive punishment. This is really true for trans and non-binary femmes, particularly Black trans women and young Black trans women. Can you talk about this a little bit more
2: yeah no absolutely as you said sort of overall youth of color and lgbtq youth and lgbtq youth of color report much much more sort of aggressive negative and aggressive treatment by school safety agents and and school police um and then Sort of because of that treatment, you see also high high reportings of depression. Um, you see uh, a lot of young people in these schools where they're getting this treatment. They also don't have curriculum or that that um, that talk about the contributions of LGBTQ youth in history and in English and in, in culture. There are very few out teachers, right? So you sort of have a climate that's hostile towards LGBTQ youth in general. And then on top of it, you have this layered, these layered experiences of policing and targeting. And you see young people often talking of taking sort of the situation into their own hands, right? So that if they're being um, bullied or if they're being attacked, there's sort of like, there's like a group of youth that report sort of disengaging from school. And then there's groups of youth that also report sort of having to take matters into their own hands, right? And as a result, there's increased levels of disciplinary responses from school administrators without looking at the context for why things are happening, right? After not recognizing how they have abandoned their own responsibility to queer youth of color. Um, Mm. So that's one huge issue. But in our study that we did um, with young people here in New York City, we found that young people who were trans um, and gender nonconforming or gender expansive um, received much harsher physical in- interactions um, with police. So across the board, everyone had negative experiences. But when, when you look very specifically at what the experiences are, the young people, when it came to being sort of having your, your physical body touched searched and asked to remove clothing. Um, it was, um, was trans femmes and um, gender expansive, well, and, and young people that, it, that identified as gender expansive that reported the absolute most of any group of young people. So it seems to me that when you sort of step outside of the, the gender box that, um, that very narrowly defined by many schools, Uh, safety agents and whatnot when you step outside that somehow your perceived threat grows and then you therefore become targeted even though these are just young people living out their everyday life like they're not doing anything they're just being who they are Mm -hmm. but the treatment they're receiving um, is cruel and aggressive
0: yeah yeah I just needed a moment to take a deep breath because you're so right it's a very hard mm-hmm. truth, um, but a lived reality. And you and I talk often about the complexities, the complex nuances that the lived experiences of LGBTQ youth, um, especially young Black trans and non-binary youth endure. And we often think widely about colonial um, contexts and systemic and institutionalized impacts in the research that we have collaborated on together. And I'm wondering if you can play the role of MythBuster in this next question. What are the misconceptions? Can you give us some context? What does the data show? Really hone in on that for our listeners at home. What are the myths that we're not Um, talking about what do we need to know so that we can move in a more liberated and free direction?
2: I think what's important and what was really lifted from um, the work that we did um, with young people as as co-researchers on these projects was I think everybody knew that school police, that policing in general, targets young Black men. And I think Mm -hmm. that was a, a... is a very strong concern for for all of us. I think what was and I think there was an assumption that LGBTQ kids, young people were also being targeted by policing policies, you know, in and out of school. I think what was surprising was that that in our data sort of the the highest numbers the high, the high, the the groups that per, that reported the most amount of negative, negative experiences um, and particularly as i said ne- negative physical experiences were queer femmes and and were gender mm-hmm. expansive and trans young people. I think that was a little bit of a a spotlight that that people hadn 't anticipated um, and and particularly just the skyrocketing numbers around aggressive touch, around being frisked about being privately searched and about by being sexually harassed, you know, young people that just refuse the gender binary um, and who are proudly who they are, um, seeing how they were treated, I think took folks aback and, and to say that we need to pay attention to these young people, we need to support and love them and create policies that protect them, um, you know, particularly in schools, because that was, was where our work was, you know, with the same kind of outrage that we have for young Black men in schools, that that we need yeah. to expand, that it's not, you know, it's not a, we don't want to pit groups, uh, you know, against each other and, and some but but we want to say that, look, you know, there we need to really expand our attention to really supporting a much bigger group of young people because their their numbers were actually higher even than the young men, the straight young men of color. Mm. And I
0: think... Yeah. No, please go ahead. I was just thinking that that's exactly what intersectionality is all right. about. But please finish no, your No, no, d-
2: just that. Just that. I think that that's what was sort of really staggering and, and caused a lot of us to take pause because... It's also as, as you reacted, you know, when we were first talking, um, it's a lot to take in. You know, they're not young people are not talking about just having police officers be rude to them. They're talking about being, um, you know, frisked without warrant, about being asked to remove their clothing, being asked to take, you know, take pieces of their clothing off. They're, you know, they're being sexually harassed. And how are you supposed to go through your day? You know learning and growing and flourishing in school when the when your point of entry into the building is so is so abusive um, and so violent um, so I mean it's a call to action really for all of us.
0: Thanks for sharing. I think just to note there are three broad myths that come to mind for me when we think about LGBTQ youth at large, I think there's a misconception that young people don't know what Mm -hmm. their identity Mm -hmm. is, whether that is related to their gender identity or their sexual orientation, that there's a concept, a misconception that young people are too young to have an awareness about their bodies. I think the second that comes to mind is that there is a perception that black youth are dangerous Mm. and that the third trans women especially black trans women need to be over policed because there's um the thought is that we are a danger to society we've seen this with um rollbacks and protections for trans youth um we've seen that with access to gender affirming bathrooms and Mm -hmm. so on and so i'm wondering if you can speak to um those experiences and how um they often lead to interaction with the police in school as well as outside in day-to-day life yeah
2: absolutely and i think um the idea that that Uh, young queer and trans youth don't have a sense of who they are um, is just is simply it's wrong and outrageous right Um, that they're too young to really understand what's happening even if that were to be true when you see a young person growing and developing in all the ways they grow and develop part of our responsibility as adults is to love and create space for that young person to explore who they are to explore their politics, to come into an understanding of their race and ethnicity and cultural heritage and the contributions that the groups that they that their ancestors have made to to our culture and society, to to all of the ways that we're living today is part of the development of young people. Gender, for example, you mentioned bathrooms. You know, we from in our in our interviews, we have many young people talking about you know, when they would assert their right to go to a gender-neutral bathroom um, or or even just simply ask where the bathroom was when they were new in school, that they would be read by adults and, and, and harassed by adults, you know, where the adults would poke fun at them, would, um, rather than pointing them to a gender-neutral bathroom, would, you know, point them to a, a bathroom that would humiliate them um, in front of other students. And so you really see that it the issue is not with young people you know figuring out or, or coming into their own um as much it is with with adults who who are you know just sort of uh, intolerant at at you know uh, intolerant who are uh, hurtful who are hateful um and and who are threatened by by young people simply embracing who they are, whether they can articulate it or not i mean i uh, uh, part of me, mm-hmm. you know, that almost doesn't care if they can articulate, like maybe they are exploring who they are. But that is f- absolutely fine, especially for the young people in middle school. It's very clear that that a lot of young people are know who they are and they're just seeking places where they can express it as freely as possible. Um, and and when that freedom to be who you are is threatened in school, it's wrong.
0: Absolutely. Thank you for that insight. Last but not least, before you go, can you share just maybe one or two sentences, give us a tease about what the What's Your Issue National LGBTQ Plus Youth Survey is and what it's all about? Just for folks listening, Marie and I have known each other um, for about five years now and um, collaborated on Um, this unprecedented youth survey. So I just want to uplift the work of us and young people around the country. Take it away, (laughs) Sure,
2: so What's Your Issue was a remarkable survey that uh, over 400 uh, LGBTQ youth, predominantly youth of color across the country, put together. And then another, about almost 10,000 young people took it. Of that 10,000, there are about 6,000 that not, only took it, but they answered like almost every last question of it. And so we used that, that group of 6,000 to really sort of paint with, an, with another group of youth, about 40 of which Sheer was one of the co-researchers in that group. And Shir, you remember that we went through all that data, all of those wonderful responses that people shared. And one of the beauties of the survey was that we wanted to be able to to speak back to the portrayal of, of queer and trans youth, the national data that exists really focuses on a very small, not a small, a very important, but a slice of queer youth lives. And that's a mm-hmm. slice that is, um, is a very important slice. It's a very disturbing slice. Um, it's the impact of all of the, the sort of horrific hateful policies, all of the homophobic and transphobic policies that dominate um, not only our schools as we've been talking about, um, but our public spaces, but our laws, right? But also impact the cultures in our churches, in our communities that communicate to, to young people that it's wrong to be queer, that it's wrong to be trans. Um, or that, worse, that it's immoral, right? Mm. So, so that sliver, that slice, is very, very important. But most of the national data on queer and trans youth focuses on that, focuses on 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 the high rates of depression and suicidality and and risky, quote unquote, risky behavior, right? And so, the young people that we collaborated with, that, that our colleagues really demanded that we have we paint a broader picture, you know, sort of said like, yes, those are part of our struggles because of the oppressive systems that we're, we're navigating in our lives. But we are so much, we are that and so much more. We are creative, you know, we are are. Um, we are surviving, we are, we are struggling, we are organizing, we have, you know, what are, if you were to ask us, we wanna know, like what are our political priorities? And so the, the survey really asked questions about people's dreams, their desires, how they take care of themselves, um, what they want to see in the world. And actually, it was because of that that we learned that young people, even though, and if you want more information about the What's Your Mm. Issue survey, you can check out whatsyourissue.org. And
0: that's on period. (laughs) There's more to come. So stay tuned and keep an eye out. Thank you, Thanks so much, Maria.
2: This has been fun.
0: dominique we're both survivors of the criminal justice system tell us about black and pink the advocacy of your organization and you personally your advocacy and your commitment to social
3: justice thank you uh, for having me again i think it's This week, I think I got an email this morning that they were going to um, air the live keynote from the Georgetown program. Um, And we met there almost three years ago, I think it was. Um, I was early in my time here at Black and Pink. Um, So just excited to be in space, digital space with you. Black and Pink is the largest prison abolitionist organization in the country that, that focusing on, focuses on um, the intersections of mass incarceration, the harm of the carceral state, and, and how that impacts LGBTQ plus people um, or people who identify as living with HIV and AIDS. So you really see our work. Um, we have a facet of our work that focuses on our Black and Pink family while they're incarcerated, our pen pal program, our black and pink newsletter that we we try to put as much information in and being able to spread truth and 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 speak truth to power inside of these institutions there's nearly 20,000 uh, black and pink members um, on our database that are that are currently incarcerated um, and and we are continuing to elevate and, and and work to evolve how we pour into our members while they're inside um, and then you look at you know really things that came to my came to fruition um under my leadership are more of the programmatic community based services that i i know are essential someone is coming out of incarceration or they are navigating the world living in these identities um that are um oppressed i'm really just waiting for these 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 systems to coalesce to to, to position you to be impacted by incarceration. Our transitions program that that funds housing for for trans women all across the country launched in February of this year. That is our own ecosystem of housing and support um, and community housing that is based here in Omaha, Nebraska. And we will be expanding Light in House as an initiative all over the country. Um, and, and, and there's so much more, um, but you really see us trying to bridge that gap um, and, and our theory of change really is from a space of survivorhood um, which many people are you know are just navigating um, mm-hmm. to get them to a space of resilience um, but not having resilience be the final um, stop on that journey. and then really in that space of resilience to affirm what they've experienced to unpack and dissect, um, the lived experience um, of theirs, of their parents, of their grandparents, of, 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 of your ancestors that oftentimes affects us in this life and we don't even know. Um, and then also do some great visioning of where do you want to go from here? Um, and then being engaged with them in that journey to a space that is, is, is really about thriving, that space where you get to experience overflow, that space where, you know, you can pour into someone's cup. And support them, and it doesn't necessarily mean that you are going to have to sacrifice um, your wants, your needs, your self care, um, focusing on self. So that's Black and Pink, Pink's work. Personally, I'm coming to identify myself as um, more of a healer, and 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 not healer as in um, you know there are people who work within medicine and shamans and things in indigenous culture, but more of healing of spirit. You know, my music is something that. Is, is a huge passion for me. And I write my songs really to process what I've experienced and hoping that I can be an intercessor um, for others. Um, my work through Black and Pink, and then just my, in my private life of making sure that people who have been impacted by incarceration these other systems, um, when that we beat these systems, um, the needs of Black trans women specifically, and, and uh, speaking truth that our stories and our and our value are more than our struggles um that 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 we are more than um, a byline um talking about how we were robbed from the earth um, that we are incredible people, so really investing in that work um, and then youth youth who have been system impacted and 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 a thread of comprehensive sex education through all of that
0: thank you so much for sharing. I have to say i'm truly thankful you're part of this conversation yet again as part of our encore presentation it sounds I know to be true that black and pink has a unique perspective and a necessary impact in the important work that you all do to support people on the inside but also to support restorative justice and decarceration more broadly across the country can you talk about the current landscape for young black trans women at the intersections of incarceration that's really where you left off can you delve in deeper i think
3: well one i think there's just there's just this inherent power i often feel like when we see folks struggle especially young folks that are struggling there's a conversation about these systems of oppression that exists around them um, but also it's really difficult to feel in your, in your being that you are meant for something larger, that you are, um, that, that you have a purpose. And, and, and the world isn't, one, um, giving you space to explore that. And two, um, you're not seeing yourself represented in any of the things that mainstream society has deemed as valid when it comes to success or power. Um and so what i what what we're seeing is that folks are folks are taking what is there whether these 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 systems want to try to keep it from them or not, and these young folks are saying okay i'll be the first um but but as as our um uh, vice president elect kamala Harris said um i won't be the last um and and that's powerful because i i'll be thirty eight in march um, I came out when I was 14, um, at identifying as queer. A kid going through group homes and and homeless shelters and 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 youth detention centers, right? Um, and and then in my incarceration, um, really navigating spaces, presenting as female, using um, you know she she her series of pronouns, and then spent a year really kind of um, in a shell and trying to figure out how could I be. As successful as my spirit told me I was meant to be, and and be my full self, um, and and that really led to you know me engaging in what what I'm I'm describing as my social transition, um, starting in March of this year, um, and so you you see these young folks who are who are are blazing that trail, and and I talked about my age and and kind of my journey is that this. I come from that age group of Black folks where we were really told that it was about self. You know, um, you know, you gotta make it. And, and sometimes that meant that you had to make it on the necks, on the backs of others. Um, you know, my mother loved, you know, if your friends jump off of a bridge, are you gonna jump too? And all those other things. I think that individualized experience around success and power was something that my generation that, you know, uh, that, that it was really fair to us. And you're seeing these young people dismantle that and say that, yes, I can be successful, but I, but, but all of my people can be successful and um, redefining what success means and, and, and also living from a space of abundance and not the, not the space of, um, the, 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 the space of loss and the space of, um, minimal, minimalization that, that many of us um, have grown up in that then positioned us to um, engage in a lot of anti-Blackness, to to be weaponized and tokenized by systems of white supremacy. And and therefore, as much as we are hurting our counterparts, hurting ourselves.
0: Mm -hmm. Absolutely, yes to abundance. Can you give us an idea about how homelessness, poverty and survival sex work as well as other acts of survival that are criminalized, create additional barriers to freedom for um, the TGNC community, particularly Black trans women, young Black trans well, women. Well, I
3: think it's important to affirm like the power of sex work, right, and and the validity of sex work. Um, but but much of that, I feel like, from a space of um, when I think about the ways that you know Black and Pink is working on a on a project right now to. To do business development and 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 poor finances and write and and write many grants for uh, Black trans sex workers to. If this is your business, um, like any other business, um, we need to be um, engaging in support. I think when we look at young folks who are engaging in survival, you know, survival um, sex work and and survival crimes and 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 all those things that folks just have to do to make it that survivorship space of living. I struggle with it because. I don't think it's really based around their autonomy of like, this is, this is my choice. This not, not as, not as in they're not making a choice about what they're doing with their bodies, but as in, they don't see this as they're not telling, I I don't, they're not saying this is my, this is going to be one of my um, ways to liberation, right? You start a business, you, 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 you curate Mm. something, you're passionate about it from music to, you know, you know, getting on et- Etsy or or whatever. You know, if you look at me and you tell me, Dominique, like this is this is gonna be my tools to get to liberation, then all power to you. How do we support? Um, I think I, I believe that there's a space around these young folks who are like, I gotta eat. I don't want these old ass white men. I don't know. Can I cuss on here? This is for the young people. As, <laughs> they say they say ass on they say ass on 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 on, on, on um. On channels on on ABC. So if 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 Walt Disney's channel can say it, I can say it. I, I want this old ass white man on my back. It's not fun for me. I don't I I don't want to put myself in physical harm. So I have a sandwich, or or I can pay my rent, or pay for a hotel, or um. And and what also is true is that historically, queer people, specifically Black trans women, none of us are making money just for us. We are taking care of a sibling, be it, be it biological or found family. We are taking care of a parent, a grandparent. We are, um, you know, we are our sisters and our, our family. You know, we all are in a space and it's like, yo, we're going we to pull this money together. So not only is there the urgency of self-survival, you oftentimes are positioned um, to be, a, um, to, to be a, a, a kind of a lightning rod to the survival of, of, of people that you love and care about. And so to, to think that those are underlying thought processes for a young person um, to to engage in again survival crimes or this space of survival sex work, that's where I'm concerned. Um, and 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 it's really my job to not come from a space of judgment. It's not my job to um, to try to walk in and be a therapist and all that foolishness. Because if you've done that work of supporting folks who are engaging in sex work, baby, when you walking out in the streets trying to bring them a sandwich, bring them condoms, or or just check on safety, there's been nights that I've just hearts on the street and just watch them, right? Um, that's nice when I've paid Black men to be parked and watch them to like be their bodyguards, um, that they want that conversation. They're like, I gotta do what I gotta do. Um, and, and very much so, if you don't come over here saying something, bring a solution. So, so so then that's my approach to my work. It's offering a plethora of solutions and and trusting young people that they can make the best decisions for themselves. Um, following their lead and and being excited to follow their lead. I think there's so many adults in this work who, because the thing, the end thing to say is, oh, we we want young people to lead us, but a lot of them are being led by young people and they're bitter about it. <laughs> um, be excited for young people to engage in their autonomy and, and and talk to you about what their needs are and meet those needs. And, um, and again, the beauty of being a elder, the beauty of, being in community is that you can always talk about um, what 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 other needs are there. You can always engage in some visioning work and conversations. You can always challenge them to dream bigger, because that's everybody needs someone to say, you know what, whatever you thought you were going to have, baby, think bigger than that. But that space of judgment, that space of saviorhood, I think is um, is is counterproductive, um, and 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 these young folks. If we had not failed these young people as in we as in community, as in society, as in their village, as in black folks overall, as in the black church, as in black foster parents, as in white foster case workers, we can go down the line. these babies wouldn't be in this position to figure out how they're going to make it, so they have to eat um and 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 I ask folks and then and I'll close with this. There are just as many white kids who are in foster care, who are, who are navigating um, juvenile spaces, um, and, and you don't see those faces on the street being positioned to sell their bodies and, and, and a portion of their soul um, to have a warm place to stay. And why is that? And so I think a, another piece of that is that society has this inherent belief that Black folks, Black queer folks, specifically Black trans women are sexual, like we're so sexualized that we're sexual deviants, that this isn't just something we have to do. It's something that we want to do. And we just happen to make money for it. Um, and so again, there there's this bucket of autonomy, power, choice, entrepreneurship, um, a tool to liberation. And then there's this space of I got to do what I got to do to get where I'm going. And, and, and those are two different stories, two different conversations, especially when we're talking about young people.
0: Mm. Go off. I have to say, I've been trying to stay quiet because I really just want to hoot and holler and snap my fingers, um, because you really went there with that question. What specific reentry services um, are needed for Black TGNC folks and LGBTQ youth at large that aren't currently being funded, tapped into, um, or Oh, I think the biggest
3: one, and, 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 and there are going to be people who hear this, where, well, everything's being funded. Yes, things are being funded, but things are being funded at most are being funded to, um, to keep the harm at this stasis level, where it's being frozen, um they're not being funded to dismantle the harm and to prevent it from happening. Um we 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 are we approach service of of service and my deputy director here at Black and Pink, David Booth said something a couple of weeks ago. And um it's not just direct service, it's direct direct investment. Um CBOs, community-based organizations, um, and their funders. We oftentimes are approaching from this space of well, we're gonna you know oh you're gonna you're gonna you're gonna lose your housing, well, can we see an eviction notice? That's the litmus test for for helping you with your housing oh you oh you haven't eaten in three days well, well, show me some paperwork that you um that you don't have someone you can stay with or oh you live with your mother well well, well you don't really need a hundred dollars in food stamps. Let's give you fifty dollars um um all of these things where we have to be on the edge of of destruction. For, for these systems to pour into us. And we need to engage in investing in folks at a high level to make sure that we have one less being impacted by these systems. And, and that's difficult, right? At Black and Pink, Lighting House has been open since May. We, we got a five bedroom house here in Omaha, Nebraska. Um, we said no one would have to share rooms and so on and so forth. So that means, and, the, and the, the living rooms are upstairs where there's three bedrooms. So That means that, you know, only three people can live at Lighting House at once, where everybody wanted us to be the housing answer for trans women in the state of Nebraska and not even Nebraska. We get calls from all over the country. We can house three people. Why? Because that allows me to make sure that the level of care, the level of support, the level of respect is at a high. And 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 that may mean that in Leiden House in a year, black and pink may be able to serve ten people. But I know that I am serving them, being in service to them in a way that they're not going to be back at Leiden House in six months, right? And so 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 housing. First of all, your question was what are what are services? The services that matter are the services that people tell you matter. We have to, my, my background in public health, my background in sex education, my first um, supervisor said to me, Dominique, if a 14 year old walks into your office and says, I wanna have a baby, what is your job? My job is to make sure that that 14 year old has the most healthy baby. Whatever concerns, whatever issues, whatever answers I think are, are, are should be at play, that's my own stuff to unpack. I either need to call my therapist after I get off of work or, or or figure it out. I shouldn't put it on this person. Yes, engage in some motivational interviewing. Yes, ask follow-up questions. But my job isn't to judge or, or give my solution a, as theirs. Um, so anything that people tell me is a tool for them to to, to level up, we need to be investing in. You know, housing is foundational. Um, addressing food insecurity, absolutely. Um, and and those are things that abolitionists can really agree on. I identify as an abolitionist, I lead the abolitionist org. Then there's the spaces where abolitionists um, um, try to try to poo poo on and, and pass judgment or they um, they relegate it to reform um, and put their nose in the air and usually these are people who have never had to have somebody help them have a place to stay. Um, and so so if it's education, if it's going to get your undergrad, your master's and your PhD, if that's your tool to liberation, we need to be funding that. Miss, miss you know Miss Vivian Nixon at 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 the community fellowship project. Um, if if your way to liberation is to become a chef, then do that whatever it is. Let's invest in it. But that foundational stuff that everybody needs is housing, access to food security, um, identification and, and, and identification document procurement and health care. Um, there are lack of health care um, and the experience of, of disenfranchisement around uh, around healthcare for Black folks, Black trans women, I believe are a are one of the tenants that position us to experience incarceration um, at lack of access to comprehensive sex education. So those are like four, I, I believe, essential for no matter who you are. And we need to we need to keep funding it. But we need to say what is the level in which we can fund. What is the level in which um, we were when COVID first hit, they were asking us to do COVID response budgets, and they would say, well, how much money are you going to give per person? And to have to kind of compromise on a number because I know that that there's no limit to how much money could benefit folks who are at the point where they're going to be evicted, right? Um, we have to really start being okay with funding at a high level. Stop, um, stop judging uh, the efficacy of an agency or work based on the number of people that they've touched, not that they've impacted, not that have 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 been able to acquire an improved experience of living, but they just touch, and we have to really um trust and believe that those who are most impacted are the ones who should be leading innovating and engaging engaging in the liberation of our people
0: mm. Thank you. I'm reflecting on all that you said. I think you shared such a comprehensive overview of what the needs are and Um, really honed in on listening to the needs of young people and allowing them to lead the way, empowering them to lead the way. Um, I have one more question to close out your Q&A portion. How do you you meaning yourself and or black and pink envision freedom for LGBTQ plus youth at the intersections of these pipelines
3: I've been asked this a few times this year and I've come to the conclusion that that this kind of the, the type of world the type of access we deserve will come from individuals having um, having the privilege um, to experience and define individual liberation. I think it's very difficult to, um, no one, I've I've never seen people come into the room to try to come up with a joint definition without folks having an individualized definition first that they are open to to shifting and they're open to learning from others, right? Um, So so seeing more queer folks and queer Black folks, queer trans folks, GNC folks, having access to whatever their best life looks like and then and then seeing spaces where we're able to then come together and envision and, and implement and bring to life um, a shared definition of that um, and, and, and and doing it at a critical mass, doing it on a micro level. There are those of us you know you look at the housing, you look at there are those of us who are in this work who um, are thriving, there are folks who have come together to say, you know we're going to create kind of our own little our own little neighborhood our own little, our own little communities, and that's dope. But um, but if you are a kid from Omaha, Nebraska, if you are a kid from you know um, from, from a small town in Tennessee, or a kid um, from, from 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 you know God knows where Alaska, um, you should be able to be touched by that power as well. And so that really um, liberation for all or liberation for none needs to be our 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 um, our guiding tool. Um, but that you'll see more people engaging, we will, I will see more people having access to individual liberation and more folks coming together to create definitions around shared community-based liberation and and an implementation of such. Um, and, 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 and last but not least, that black folks, black queer folks, black trans folks will be able to fully divest from this idea that whiteness is, whiteness has any supremacy over who we are. Um, and that, and that, um, trying to assimilate um, get access to 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 whiteness not even white culture I had a conversation with the other day with someone and I asked them can you explain to me what white culture is because I don't know what their culture is um, white folks are white folks and and and, and I say that with respect um, but but this space where, where 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 we are not held in captivity, where we are not making up our wish and wishes and dreams based on what these systems of whiteness are telling us they should be, um, and we are really investing in and amplifying and believing in our greatness and the power that we come from. Mm, truly
0: powerful, truly powerful. Thank you. <laughs> hope that you both now that we're coming up to the close of our conversation see why we really wanted to have develop a podcast that allowed for more in-depth conversations because (laughs) Dominique you spoke for only five minutes during the first exchange (laughs) experience and Maria you railroaded through data both times and so I just want to check in and ask how you all are I I just want to say I um uh,
2: it was hard to sit here quietly that that I've heard you before, Dominique. Um, and um, you're just a very powerful uh, speaker and, and, it, and you have a really beautiful ability to just, just to name it all and, and to, to sort of peel back the layers and, and to go deeper. Um, and I, and I really, I, I both appreciate it. I I believe it politically, but also I really admire it um, because it's it's not not easy. I, I should say for myself, I have a hard time doing that in a spoken way, um, and and so I really admire how because it's so important for for people to be able to sort of hear it in addition to read it or in addition to other other ways that we communicate. So it's been really thank fun.
3: you. It's been an honor to be here with you,
2: This is really good. I'm so glad you and Elliot. Are, are doing
3: this well thank you all I'm. Um, um, this is I, I think this is the time where we um get to kind of even unpack what we think because we all i feel like we all are so um siloed in our heads and, yeah um and 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 we also are in this kind of space where you want to kind of process things publicly but um so, so much about how you're celebrated as being an expert. We need to start celebrating people who can say, I just don't know, but I'm trying to figure it out. Yeah. Um, and and these mm-hmm. are times where you get to say things in front of community and with community and be like, oh, you know what? Because what I find is that I oftentimes have my own ahas while I'm answering a question. Oh, I really do believe that. Oh, mm-hmm. oh this is, I heard this from Miriam Kaba this day and I heard this and this is how it actually comes together. Mm-hmm. So it's always beautiful to, to share space and and to process because um, we're trying to come up with something brand new yeah. um and 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 how dare we think that we can do that and not um engage in a lot of thought sharing and 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 support so thank you sheer and 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 the rest of the team for 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 creating this because i think um, voices of people chronicling and 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 um um really archiving Mm. The voice and the and the belief of our of our folks is is something powerful, and um it, it it takes a it takes a certain type of person to 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 lead in that way. So so thank you for that.
2: I just want to say one last thing, which is like not global the way you're going, but but more just specific. The com- the the comment that you made at one point about um, the house that you all have in Nebraska and how that it it really can just actually accommodate three people. And why that's mm-hmm. important. I, I feel I, I, I am with you a thousand percent. I feel like um, while obviously we need the resources to keep expanding the work, but that what Matt, that it, when we do solid work, like when we really commit to what it is that we believe, and in that case to really be able to provide, you know, qu- what you described described as quality, but yeah, like to, to, to actually do the work that you're trying to do with somebody that takes time. It takes space. It takes, you know, and and it can't always just be scaled up in a way that I think so many folks demand of us constantly um, and measure the success when it's big numbers, rather than when it's the depth and the quality of the work that we're doing with each other. Um, I just, yeah, I mean, I, I, I really, I salute that. Or celebrate that. Thank you.
0: Before we go, here's a thought. How can everyday people and corporate allies, business innovators, how can we all get involved to create impactful and lasting change alongside LGBTQ plus young leaders who are leading the way?
3: They shouldn't be beside, they should get back. Mm-hmm. Um, they need to write the check you want to support you want to invest got it write the check Um, give us give us access to to your privilege and give us access to your privilege and access in the way that we are telling you will be beneficial Um, talk to your people and get them on board Um, but but very much so um, get out of the way Um, and as a and as a person who um, again um, is 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 very much sitting in that elder space uh, 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 with with queer young folks, and I love that. Um, there's nothing better than sit, sitting back and watching these kids just go and 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 just do. Um, and 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 so with these systems, really be clear that that you want to engage in solidarity, work with these young folks, um, and 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 don't weaponize their lack of knowledge about. Mm-hmm. Um, their autonomy um, be be on the forefront and say this is why I'm going to be in the background, and 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 be a part of their learning, um, of 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 how much they can ask from people, and what they should be asking of people that want to engage in solidarity work with them.
2: Amen. I think you know. I think all any and all of their solidarity work has to has to be. Where they're reflecting about what their role is in in what the status quo is happening, like what what is their role in the way the world is working today, and what resources do they have to offer folks who are fighting for change, and more than anything, whether they stand back, stand on the sideline or or stand in solidarity and engage the work that they need that we need to start from a place where we profoundly understand and respect and support that people know what they want and need. And we need to invest in spaces where people can be, can imagine beyond what already is um, and, and can start to build from that creativity. Um, I think, and we need to not force folks to evaluate (laughs) and to measure and to, to quantify their success. I think we, we need to like let all that stuff go and just trust that people can have the power, that people have the creativity, have the imagination to, to transform the, the policies as they exist today and to, and to think differently. Think differently about what it is to have a quote-unquote safe community, what it is to have schools that, that honor Um, our ancestors that um, can, can provide us with, and and communities where people can grow and, and flourish uh, together.
0: Hmm. Wow. I have a few common themes that came from this question Mm -hmm. and I want to hashtag them both. Mm -hmm. Write the check and imagine beyond. Thank you both so very much for joining us for our first episode of Exchanges. Thank you. Can't
2: this wait to fantastic. keep in
0: touch. Right. Yay, we did it. Okay, <laughs> that's
1: it. We spell exchange with an X because it's known as a universal cember. I want to record that part really quick. <laughs> <Pause>. Blooper. <laughs> okay, pause. We spell exchange with an X because it's known as a universal symbol of gender, of gender, 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 gender. gender. <laughs> I'm like saying gender.
0: Yeah.
1: <laughs> Who would have thought gender would be the problem? <laughs> okay. I also just realized after I read your bio that you introduced like your identity, which is probably helpful for me to say, so people aren't just like, "Who is this random white dude?"
0: <laughs> I'm screaming. <laughs> yes
1: I'm literally
2: sitting on my bathroom floor because there's drilling outside my kid is being homeschooled or whatever doing remote learning so I have (laughs) ultimate patience for all of you
0: (laughs) I appreciate that tremendously maybe we can have a blooper (laughs) section at the end (laughs) Alia